Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. I'm so happy to be with you. This is the show that shows you how to turn your obstacles and opportunities and your problems into solutions and make your dreams come true. And we're in our 21st or 22nd year here on Voice America and very happy to be here. And I'm here with one of my favorite all-time guests. Her name is Paula A. Marshall, and she is the CEO of Bama Companies. And Bama's mission is to help people be successful, people helping people be successful. And uh, Bama Companies makes uh, many of the fast food desserts and apple pies for fast food restaurants and chains like McDonald's and Walmart and Pizza Hut. And uh, she's been at the helm since 1984, and the company started on her grandmother's kitchen table um, I think it was 1938. So she, this is a company that's family owned. It's about over 80 years old now. Paula has been inducted in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, as well as many other honors. She's also the author of several books. One of my favorites, Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business. And she's uh, grown this company tremendously uh, in these years. Welcome, Paula. Thank you, Patricia. Always love hearing your intros. Thank you. All right. So here's my question. I've been thinking about this today, Paula, because I interview you often and I think, what can we talk about that's a little different? So I was thinking about it. And here's what it is. You know, so many of us struggle with time, with organization, with um, and, and just rushing around. And of all people, I mean, you are the epitome of someone who's extremely busy. You travel all the time. You're running a big company. You know, you also have your personal life. And so I guess my, my question, first of all, is how do you do it all well? And how do, you, how do you figure out your time when you're under pressure, when people are asking you, how do you manage your time? And I think that's a great question for people because so many of us have issues with that. Go ahead. Right. And I know we've talked about it many times, Patricia, that um, Bama has a couple of philosophies that we follow. One is my mentor, Dr. W. Edward Deming, and the other one is, um, you know, Stephen Covey. And Stephen Covey's written several books, and one of the books that I read and adopted in my personal life, and I've really tried to follow it, and now I teach it at Bama to people who are interested in learning how to manage their time and manage their lives better. And it's called First Things First, and it's one of the uh, seven habits of highly effective people. It's one of the habits. In fact, it's the very first habit because mm-hmm. it deals with putting first things first. And, well, how it's, it's all nice and good to say that and have a philosophy like that, but what does that really mean, you know? So when you really boil your life down, I mean, Stephen talks about living and loving and leaving a legacy. You know, you really want your life to matter. You want your life to matter. Yep. You know, if you're a if you're a big person like you are and you have a big radio show and you're a persona and you're you're all about positive living and that so you build your business model around that. Some people they they just want to influence a few people. They want to be an influencer in their family with their kids. Yep. 
with their spouses, yeah. with their, you know, church or with their Boy Scouts or, you know, you can look around all over the world and see people who have made differences, leaving a legacy in different pockets, you know, of, of a million different kinds of things. So I think what this book tries to do is give you almost like a, uh, a recipe book, if you will, a tool, a tool guide, a set of tools to be able to figure out well, how do I go about putting first things first when my whole life is just blowing up and down with the wind like that, the hurricane that came in yesterday in the Florida? How do I not let every storm like that that comes in with 150-mile-an-hour winds blow me off course, you know? Mm-hmm. Because every day in your life there's going to be some kind of storm. It's going to happen. You can't get around it. So what do we want to do? Well, we want to post that personal mission statement out there as almost like a vision, a beacon of a, a future picture of that has how you see yourself, how you see your role in the family as a mother, a dad, a sister, a brother, a you know, a son, a daughter, a cousin, a whatever. And you start realizing that your life should not be measured in minutes and with time because traditional time management measures us in minutes and hours and dates on our date book and putting, you know, meetings and things on there and putting activities. But what you want to do is build those activities from your date book, you know, from your time management book into a life mission. And so, you know, a lot, I've worked with hundreds of people on this book with all kinds of, um, you know, issues that they have in their lives. They have dying parents. They have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but they want to put their parents first, but they also want to be great parents and they always want, uh, want to be great at Bama. So we try to help them prioritize because you can't be everything to everyone. So, you know, we put, in that case, we would put the aging parents first, and then we would prioritize the rest of the hours in the week, and then we would say, okay, here's how much time I can allot to Bama, and hey, if I can't ever be the vice president of sales for Bama because it involves a lot of travel and a lot of time away from your family, maybe I should just settle for being a quality, you know, someone, Mm -hmm. a, a quality assurance manager Or maybe, and I don't mean settle when I say that, Patricia. I mean, maybe that's what your life mission is dictating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Paula, what do you do if, um, if that's happening and you just feel overloaded at work? So something's happened in your family. You've been handling it pretty well, but now, uh, you know, someone's dying or there's a big issue in your family with health. Should you then go to your boss, your leader and say, I need some, you know, I I need some breathing room here. Can you help me? Can I do flex time? How should that person handle this? Absolutely, because if you go back to your personal mission statement, is your boss going to be there if you get sick or if if you need to go in the hospital for an extended period and you need to miss work? You know, nine times out of ten, unless you're really good friends with your boss, they're not going to come to your hospital room and they're not going to be at your bed nursing you back to health. So your family is more than likely going to be there to help take care of you when something like that happens. So you have to be able to go to your bosses. And believe me, I have people that do this all the time. Um, My CFO recently had a situation where his wife's mother was, um, you know, she was critically ill. She has to go and have some cancer treatments. He has to be away. 
And he came and said to, to me and the other people on the, on the senior team that he was going to be working from home. He was going to be in and out sporadically. He would let everybody know where he was, but he was going to have to take care of the kids when mom was off in Houston or wherever with these, with these treatments. And it was, it's, it's what we do, Patricia. It's what we do. He got his team together. He said, Hey guys, I might be going to a halftime schedule for the next couple months. And we all understand we pick up the slack for him, you know, and that's what companies should do all across the world. When someone needs something like that, they should allow that to happen. Because otherwise, the work is going to suffer, right, Paula? If he keeps at that same pace and neglects the family, somewhere along the line, the work is going to suffer. Well, more than likely, Patricia, the person's going to have to quit, right? Um, I mean, so if you don't allow them to take the necessary time that they need and then fill in at work for with other people who can also do that and then maybe also be a growth opportunity for the other people in the department, you know, to help step in for someone who's got a problem like that. Otherwise, that person, I know so many people, Patricia, that don't get that kind of TLC from their companies mm-hmm. and they end up having to quit and make some other provision. Like they'll mm-hmm. take a job at, you know, a part-time job at a hotel, you know, being a clerk at a hotel uh, and giving up their big job because they just need to spend that time with their family. So if businesses don't understand that and if businesses don't make those allowances, nine times out of 10, you're probably going to lose that person. Yeah. And that, and, and then you have to think about the retraining of a new person, learning all the new skills. So it, it's actually, you know, good. Of course, it's good to be caring of other people. That's important, but it's also good business to do this. I mean, it's good all the way around, right? Exactly. You know, it, it, because it, in the long run, it's helping the company than when you have to train somebody all over again. And you may be losing a good person, right? I mean, think about that. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, a lot of companies, because they're so numbers driven and they're so deaf, tone deaf when it comes to their people and what their people need, they don't, they just would rather be harsh on the person and not give them the time off. And that is mm-hmm. something I just really don't understand. It makes me crazy when I hear that kind of stuff. When I hear a good person that was in a senior management role had to quit and go work at Sonic or something because the company wouldn't be uh, compassionate and give give her, say, find her a part-time job within the company for a year. She had to go and do the other, you know, go and completely take a different job with literally no responsibilities except to come in and work and make hamburgers. Right, which is right. Not even on her skill. I mean, it's 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 certainly a skill, but she has better, more skills that she can use. So it's not utilizing her highest skills, correct? No, 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 no. And and unfortunately, company, companies are so short sighted, you know, that they don't see that progression playing out. It's like. Yeah. No, your boss is so bad that you can't even go in and talk to him about your personal situation. So people would rather quit, call in and say, I'm quitting, rather than face the wrath of, of the boss. And to, that's, to me, that's the saddest situation of all because that's the one that can be rectified. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's re-education again. You know, it's re-education. And, and hopefully it's changing. But as you said, in some companies, it isn't going to change. 
So it's finding also finding the right company to be at that understands the human right the human side that we're all going to have right. ups and downs and we may have to you know have time off at time. But um, well, I like you know what I like to say to these manage, manage managers that are so driven by profits and numbers and all that kind of thing and they don't really think about the other person very often. What I like to say to them is, you know you're not affected by the same things that your subordinates are because you can take time off whenever you want. If you're, a like, say, a district manager or a big general manager, I mean, you've got several plants that, you know, roll up to you, you can take off any time you want to. You can go to the doctor whenever you need to. You can take off and, and hang with a sick relative any time you want. It's the people that work for you that have to get your approval, that have to, you know, work on a plan to have their workload reduced. So it's it's kind of like the haves and the have-nots. If mm. you don't take care of them, then, you know, you're going to probably end up having to do that work for them because they're not going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. So important. So I have another question, and we can do it in the next segment, but I, I, I do want to start thinking about this. And this is... Um, When you are so busy during the day, and I know this happens to Paula, I mean, you've got the phone, you've got your meetings, you've got calls, you've got emergencies that come up, you know, and, and through all of that, it's important that you as a leader maintain a cool head that you can, you know, move from one thing to the next. My question is, how do you do that when, you know, five things are coming at you at once? Do you take a breather? Do you walk outside? I mean, what do you do so that you can keep it all straight? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I think like everybody, um, your blood pressure goes up and, you know, you kind of start moving your your psyche into fight or flight, you know, and then yeah. you have to realize that there's there's always a priority to everything. And so, you know, also a Stephen Covey principle with first things first is, you know, is is everything – that's coming at you actually that urgent? Is it that important? Or is it a crisis of someone else's making? So, you know, if it's a crisis of someone else's making, then I'm, I'm a bigger uh, kind of fanatic these days about sitting with people and then saying, okay, what's your solution? And if they haven't thought through that and they don't have any way of solving it and they're just bringing it to me to complain, then I really don't have a lot of time for that. So right. I started changing about four or five years ago, really, and uh, and just you know saying to people, I'm not don't even get on my calendar if you don't have a solution, and mm-hmm. if you just want to come in to talk about the other person, you know, um, then we've got to talk about that too because really, the other kind of principle is I'm not going to say something about you if you're out of the room, that I would say if you were in the room. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, so yes. if someone's out of the room, sometimes we say really cruel things about them. Mm-hmm. So what I started doing was say, look, nothing that you're going to say to me in private is going to be different than you're going to say with this person. If you're having a problem with this person, then we're going to bring everybody in and we're all going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And what I find is right away, people will not, they will not want to share what's bothering them in front of the other person. So to me, I say, well, that's just noise and gossip. Mm-hmm. 
so I'm not going to deal with it. So unless you're willing to sit down with that person that's giving you this urgent project or people are slinging, you know, five different things your way, the first thing you have to decide is, is this something that's going to further my personal mission, my mission to move myself into that realm that, you know, where I want to go ultimately. And Mm. then secondarily is, is it something that they've concocted or manufactured that they're not willing to sit down and resolve before it gets to you? So Mm. I kind of start pushing back some of these things on people and making them sit back and think about it before they, you know, want to come in and and talk to me. So that's helped me on my calendar not have to deal with so many things that are crisis. Because people have to get together and talk about something before they bring it to me. And that's, uh, and that's so good because it's, it's giving them the responsibility. All right, we're going to take a yes. break. Call, but yes, it's giving them that's so important. You're saying, you know, don't just dump it over here. You know, this is your responsibility. I want you to think it out. So it's, it's, yes. uh, it's great. All right, we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk more about, you know, handling problems when people come to you and what's your responsibility, what's theirs, and making sure that you have balance in your life. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. My guest is Paula A. Marshall, CEO of Bama Companies. They make all the apple pies and fast food desserts for many of the fast food giants like McDonald's. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Glow and Tell is the new provocative podcast from beauty expert, spa owner, and product junkie, Carolyn Holdsworth. The Southern-raised entrepreneur will share her unvarnished opinions on self-care and all things that are meant to glow, inside and out. Carolyn will be joined by guest experts who will go deep, and listeners will discover and discuss plenty about what they see and feel in the mirror each day. Questions and answers will wrap each podcast with no topics out of bounds. Don't miss Glow and Tell with Carolyn Holtzworth, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Did you know that millions of people around the world do not have children? And yet the personal and professional experiences of people without children remain largely unacknowledged across cultures and within our personal networks. Public and workplace policies, media narratives, and educational content often reflect an unconscious bias, rendering our experiences invisible. New Legacy Radio engages these missing conversations with the voices of our community and allies and through committed action for meaningful change. New Legacy Radio, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. And my guest is one of my favorite people, Paula A. Marshall. She is the chief executive officer of Bama Companies. They make all of the apple pies and fast food desserts for many of the major chains like McDonald's and Walmart and Pizza Hut. Um, this business is a family business started by her grandmother, Cornelia, Alabama, Bama, uh, in the 1930s. And now the company is over 80 years old. And she became the CEO in 1984 and has really grown the company. It's now international. It's Bama Frozen Dough and Beijing Bama and Bama Foods um, in different parts of the world. And she also, uh, she's written five books. One of them is my very favorite, Finding the Big Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business, which is what Paula's all about. And she was recently this year inducted in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, as well as many other honors. So welcome back, Paula. Okay. Thank you very much, Patricia. All right. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's always great to talk with you. All right, I want to go back to what we were talking about before the break, which is, and I, I really love this, it's people taking responsibility. So what you're saying is you're not going to let people just come in and talk to you and just unload. They've got to think about it. They've got to come up with a purpose and a plan and some kind of a solution. Even though they'll ask for your help, they want you, you want them to have thought this out, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And what you'll find when people are calling you all the time is – there's two reasons. One is they're either just wanting to vent something and they don't really want a solution. And yes. so that's yep. one thing, but that's taking up my time from keeping me from being my personal mission, right? So whatever my personal mission is, somebody calling me to complain about another person is not really my personal mission. So right. I don't have time for that. So I keep those to, you know, a very short time. The other reason is they genuinely want your help because they've heard you're good and you're you know, a good thinker and all that. And so those are the folks that I will sit down with. And But if it's a bit session about someone else, I won't do it without the other person being there. But if this person really wants to just think out loud about a process or a process improvement, then we gather our data and we sit and we talk about stuff and I just give suggestions. Not that I'm trying to, you know, solve the world crisis for them. I'm just giving an outside suggestion. But that is that is usually two reasons why people are calling you and asking you. So, and then, of course, your boss is calling about deadlines or things that they need or something's happening. But I was just going to tell you, I, I've been, we are, uh, we are actually signed on with this group called Glassdoor, which is a, a way for people to go out to either they're currently employed by or they're leaving your employment and or they've left. And you would not believe some of the, some, or I would say most of the comments, Patricia, have to do with bad management. The management mm-hmm. of the company yep. is, is bad. They, they treat people like robots. There's, there's, um, you know, just how the people are directed. They have a lot of friends, so their favoritism scores are out of the out. Of, this is companies like Amazon. It's companies like, um, you know, Google. 
which we have here in Tulsa. There's all kinds of, there's Whirlpool. The number one complaint is, is the management is bad. The management mm-hmm. treats people badly. Mm-hmm. And so I think if, if we could, as management people, realize that our sole purpose in life is trying to help people do a great job and remove barriers from them, it would be, and we didn't have favorites and we had processes in for how, you know, how we treated people and how we uh, recommended different people for, for growth and for, you know, opportunity, it would be, it would clear up 90% of the problems in the workforce in the United States. Well, but Paul, Just one by of the making things, ourselves better. Well, but you said something important here, and that's the word process. It's using mm-hmm. a process. It's not just, oh, come on in and let's just talk. It's following a process. Talk about that. Well, a lot of these companies do not have processes. I mean, there's people that write things on this glass door about when they, that they hate this place, why it was so bad, and and they they write things to people that might be going out and looking at working for Amazon and people will write things like, this is the worst employer. This is the worst place to work. Um, they do not support you. They don't care about you. They care about numbers, how many packages you packed or how many packages you picked. They do not care how fit, how fast or efficient you are. They want more and more and more and they keep asking you for more every day. Mm-hmm. Now that's a culture that just doesn't, have any emotion for the person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you keep asking people for more and more and more and you don't try to go and understand their current limitations and their current situation. You just come down there and say, great, I'm glad you got that 90% done today. Now tomorrow, 91. Mm. It's, it doesn't foster good, healthy relationships. Mm. So you talk about how you can prioritize work and people coming to you all the time and asking you to solve problems, you can be an empathetic leader, that's for sure. That's number one, if you could be an empathetic leader and actually go down and say, hey, yeah, you can have the day off because I'm going to go down there and I'm going to work your shift and see what what it's like working working there. We have a process at Bama where we do that. Once every six months, we ask our management teams to go down on the floor and and do one of those jobs, and it always helps people understand that they don't know everything. Yeah. That reminds me of the series, which I haven't really watched, called Undercover Boss. Do you know about that series? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, where the boss, where someone like a CEO then has a totally different job and, and they switch. And it's um, fascinating, you know, but but I think the key here and, 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 you know, we keep coming back to this, but it seems to be simple. Communicate well, give people kindness, yeah. respect, trust. Why is that so hard, Paul? This is not rocket science. Well, I mean, if you look at this, this comment from someone, and I'll send you these so we can talk about these later, but management HR roles. These are truly the most unprofessional people in management I've ever encountered. This was something written on Glassdoor about this company, their management. They don't Mm. respect confidentiality. They don't train us, but they're quick to reprimand us. They have a Mm. culture of bullying and aggressive skills. They use coworkers to gather information on employees and and use those stories to make corrections on other shifts or in other environments. Mm. 
The only way you can advance is based on favoritism. So I'm sure, Patricia, with all the training you do, that you hear these things. So what are we doing? What are we doing to try to retrain the management of these companies? Because in the future, you can't just manufacture workers to do the work. You can't. You can't expect to always have the, the the right amount of people that you need. You better try to save the ones you have. Well, I think it's changing. I mean, one of the things that I've been reading is that many times younger workers today will not put up with that. I mean, they would actually take less money to be in, a, in an environment that is welcoming and cares about them. So I think with the younger workers today, the money is not the be all and end all. I think many times, not always, but many times people who've been older and have been in the system a long time, they'll take more. Um, but I think it's mm-hmm. changing. I think it's changing with the younger generation. What do you think? Well, wouldn't you think that, I mean, these are big Fortune 100 companies like Amazon and Google and Whirlpool and all that. And these are, we just pulled these last month off of their Glassdoor comments. So it's things like um, the management is very poor, you know. You just, they don't give timely assistance. So there's one thing. You could learn to help people quicker, right? That's very easy to do. The HR process is convoluted, doesn't have, uh, and, and frequently doesn't have answers or solutions. People don't seem responsible for anything. They give minimal, but they only give us minimal training or direction. Um, and then they leave it up to you to figure out. But if it doesn't get figured out right, they come back and write you up. So it's like, you know, we have, we have comments there, Patricia, that we can actually train. We can train people on. We can train. We have classes at Bama. We have supervisory classes and, and we call them boot camps. Um, and we actually take people through actual real life um, situations that may happen in the workplace today. Like you may have people get aggressive back at you, or you may be telling someone something and they may all of a sudden get aggressive. So you've got to know how to handle so many situations. But really the only way to fix it is to do the training and for companies to yeah. commit to have better policies and procedures and better training, not for the workers, but for the management people. Yes. Yeah, well, it starts with them, right, Paula? I mean, it starts with them. The, the training won't happen if the manager doesn't say we're going to do it, right? So it starts right. with the leaders. But I told you my story where I went to a, a do a speech, and it was a, a woman's meeting, and it was at one of our customers. It was a Fortune 500 company. And all of the top brass, they were all men, they were all in the front row, and they were all on their laptop computers. I, I love this story. Tell this again. I love this story. Go ahead. <laughs> I love this story. Well, so my point was, it's not just enough for you guys to be here. It's important for you to be engaged. And I walked over and shut down every single one of their computers. I pushed, I pushed the tops down. Now, this was before people would just be on their phone so much. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, I just was able to go over there and push their laptops down. Were you nervous it's doing so that? Did you, were you nervous? But I'll bet you today, every one of those guys remembers that day. Oh, I'm sure. That that happened. And I mean, I was putting my company uh, yes, you business were. at risk with them because I yeah. had business with them. 
But, you know, what you have to decide is, is right right or is it okay to let something just go? And if I had just let that go, Patricia, those all those women in the room, there were like 400 women in that room, and they would have all lost respect for me. Hmm. So I couldn't take that chance because I didn't know if I'd ever get back there, you know, if I'd ever get to go make a speech there again. Did you, so, did, you was, was you it spontaneous for you? you was, was it spontaneous for you? Were you or, I mean, it was just, I'm going to do this. Did you think about it for a minute or did you just do it? I thought about it. I went through, I was speaking and I was talking and I kept thinking, you're just a hypocrite if you don't do something about this. I see. You know, okay. it was just that little devil in the, in the back of my ear that was like, you have to do this. You have to be courageous. And you did. And that's, wow. that's when I did it. Is I and didn't you tell me they had to be courageous. Didn't you tell me they apologized? Do I remember that? They all did. They were all super red in the face and embarrassed. And then at the end of the program, they got up, all four of them got up and came and stood on either side of me and thanked me for giving them that message. Wow. Wow. And they realized that the message was that they're there, just being there is not what these women want. These women want them to be engaged. They want their help. They want their support. They want their advice. They want their mentorship. You know, they want, they want them to be there to hear all the issues that we're all facing so that we can come up because at that time, this company was also going through a class action suit that was brought on by 150 women that worked wow. in their stores. Wow. Whoa. So they really didn't have any business just sitting there being on their computers. Well, it's... Uh, and so what, I, what that oh, analogy is, is for everyone listening to say, don't be on your computer when those things are happening. You know, when, be aware and all those things that are coming at you, be aware of the origin of each one of those things. And you don't have to go high anxiety and you don't have to go fight or flight. You can stand in the moment and help every single one of those people. And some of them you're going to be better off if you tell them to go back to the drawing board and come back later to talk to me because you're not ready. Hmm. So important. Such good information. And and basic things, but things that we all need to know. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're talking to Paula A. Marshall. She is the CEO of Bama Companies, and they make the apple pies and fast food desserts for many of the fast food chains, including McDonald's and Walmart and Pizza Hut. She's the author of five books, one of them, Finding the Soul of Big Business, The Executive Entrepreneur, which she wrote with Jim Stovall, and then uh, several others that she wrote as well. And Paula was inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame this past year. Um, The company, Bama Companies, has won many awards. It's a family-owned business. It's been in business over 80 years. And we're going to talk to Paula after the break about how do we, what are some more things we can do to really be conscious of our communication with people, our time, our balance in our life. And, um, and, you know, and the respect part. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Follow 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your Midlife Roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. My guest is Paula A. Marshall. She is the CEO of Bama Companies. They make all of the apple pies and fast food desserts and now pizza dough for Pizza Hut, Walmart, and, uh, and also McDonald's, which is one of their biggest clients that they've been with for many years. The company started on her grandmother's kitchen table in the 1930s and is now over 80 years old. And Paula took the helm in 1984 and has really grown the company. It's now international. And she's also the author of, of five books, and one of them is called Finding the Soul of Big Business. Paula was inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame in the past year. And she's a woman who really, really walks her talk. I mean, I think the title of her of her book um, really is the title of, of her life, Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business. And many of her employees, which she doesn't call employees, she calls team members, have been there for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. So it, it's a pretty remarkable, and it's... Um, it's just wonderful to know her and work with her, and um, she's really one of the female role models for business, um, and a role model in general, but especially for women. I think she really stands out. So welcome back, Paula, with all that. Thank you, Patricia. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, really and truly, I mean, I've asked you this before, but, you know, I want you to really think about this. I mean, just objectively. And you know many women who are CEOs of companies beside you. I mean, there aren't a ton, but there are, there are enough. Of those women that you know, Paula, how many would you say have the same kind of philosophy that you do with, you know, inclusion and team members and finding the soul of big business, 10%, 15%, 20%, 25%, what do you think, 50%? Well, I think women tend to manage differently. Um, I don't know if it's a uh, a problem, you know, because of interpreting the Deming culture or they haven't been, you know, they have never learned of it or they've never been introduced to it. So, you know, I would probably say it's a very small percentage of for the for the dimming part. Now, if you want to say do women operate more in a covey style, which is, would be the seven habits of highly effective people, I think women the things that I've heard about women that uh have similar management styles are are folks, you know, ladies who maybe have adopted that uh seven habits perspective and they they listen first before they want to be understood, and they have a they lay things out and explain things. They put first things first. They're proactive. Um, they think win win. So they're trying to always find, you know, solutions from both sides because women are are peacemakers. They don't typically like to go to war. Sometimes we we have to, but for the most part, you know, we like to find compatible solutions. And so I think that is more prevalent, I think probably more like, um, you know, maybe 50, 60% have, have those inclinations. The, the problem for me comes from the educational background we all get. Um, you know, when you go into business school, you study different business theories, but right. most of your, of your master's training in business or your MBA is, is all financial. I mean, it's all about taking apart a company by financials and putting it back together by some other financials. And the problem you get into when you start running the company, as Dr. Deming used to say, by visible figures, is that you miss the people component. You miss talking to the people and finding out why. Why is this happening? What is going on? What's the root cause? Let's get down to the floor and let's start talking to people and let's find out what's going on. For the most part, they don't learn to go to the floor. They don't, they learn to go into the computers, get the numbers, print reports, dissect reports, give reports to top management, give reports to the board. And no one ever has to go down and work with the people to see how hard it is to do this stuff with someone who doesn't understand the English language or someone who, you know, is, is a new person who just got their papers from Afghanistan, you know, and they've been living under a whole tyrannical approach to life and they cut your fingers off if you don't meet your quotas. And, mm-hmm. and we're like, no, 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 we're here. We're here. We're that's none of that's good. So you're dealing with all these different variables, you know, mm-hmm. constantly day in and day out on, when it, when it accounts to, you know, the U.S. management styles. And so I think not enough time is given to understanding the situation from the financial point of view, of course. Literally walking, getting up from behind your desk, walking to the area 
walking and talking to the people yeah. around the area, in the area, the mechanics, the sanitation people, the the workers, yeah. the this, the that, you know, grabbing everybody and saying, okay, let's get a quick deep dive over here and figure out what's going on with this situation. It's, you know, it can be done so much more efficiently. You know, it's interesting when you say this because I do corporate webinars almost every day. And for big, big companies, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, and the topics are always the same, Paula. Effective communication, right? courageous conversations, uh, mental health awareness, um, how to cope with difficult people, uh, you know, how to listen effectively, how to create empathy. I mean, these are all basic, right, basic skills. And this is mm-hmm. what... This is what's needed, more so than today. And what I hear when I do these prep calls is our people are stressed, you know, or people have left, or COVID has really affected everyone, or, um, you know, they're, they're not communicating effectively, or they don't know how to handle their emotions, and or they're dealing mm-hmm. with grief. It's, it's just, it's, this, it's amazing because these are basic things that, um, are very needed, and I find that the participants really are interested. They listen. I mean, it's very interactive, but they listen and they comment, and they're very engaged. And it's almost like there's a hunger for this. It's just not talked about enough, Paula. We're not talking about mental no, health. No, you're right. And I would ask you, you know, like this is a class that somebody decided was needed. Is that person in your class, Patricia? M- many times, but not always. You're right. Not yet. most of the time, yes, but sometimes they're in another meeting. Yep. Yeah. True. But so not they're always. They're happy to send everyone else to that class, but then they don't come and get the information. They don't come and get the training. Yeah. And it's I, so yeah. easy to do as I say and not as I do, right? Yeah. 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 And I would That's say where I think times. a lot of the problem is is people once they get into management think that they don't have to do any more work, that all they have to do is tell people what to do. Well, And, and that is thing. one thing. And Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. I was just going to say, I think what often happens is it's not always the leader. It's like someone who's in the area of emotional health or wellness that will set it up. So sometimes the leader's in, sometimes the CEO is in. But it, it, you're right. It's not the majority of the time. Um, but at least they're getting the information to the people. Which is which? That is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And and I really think until there's a wholesale change in the education system and people learn that you know you have to have a certain amount of IQ and EQ skills to do any yes. job. So you have to have yes. the intelligence for it, but you also have to have the emotional connection with people. Unless you're going to be a robot and just do the same thing day in and day out. You're going to need EQ. You're going to need an emotional connection with people. And that's where we don't spend enough time in business school, in, in getting MBAs. We don't spend time learning about psychology or humanity Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. what's ticking in this other person's life or how to be conversational, how to learn, how to teach people that you care. I mean, some people really don't care, Patricia, but if they're, if you're going to be in management, We don't hire anyone that doesn't care. If they don't have the aptitude of being able to talk with people and make a connection, 
we're not going to hire them into a management position because they we, we say to them, you have to go through a lot more EQ training before we can put you in a management position because you don't have it. So we're going to have to change how we view, you know, what is leadership? It's so different than what people think about now. People think leadership is about making a lot of money, about pushing the troops till you get, you know, take the hill, and then there's a lot of money on the top of the hill. But it's not very satisfying. It's not very fulfilling to be at that top of the hill and be by yourself and be alone. It's very, very tough when you look around and realize you've alienated everyone else that was mm. that was there to help you get your get your goals met. And it, but it really comes from the top, Paula. I mean, like when when yes. you know, for example, your your style as CEO that's what's trickling down, right? If you had a different style, so would the people who are working with you, right? Think about it. I mean, oh. it does come from oh, the top. Absolutely, yes. Yes, which is why, you know, I always say, I mean, people say to me, my God, you know, why, why, do you, why do you do all that? Why do you work so hard? And I say that it's because I care, you know? I know my team members. I know who they are. I know a lot of them's families. I, you know, I genuinely care about them. And if they're doing something that I don't like, I just sit down and talk to them. You know, I don't, we're not going to go around and create a, a spy system to get rid of you, you know, it's like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And it's a genuine interest. I think part of this, Paula, I think part of the problem comes from people's fear of not trusting. You know, I better not say that. Mm-hmm. What if I say it? The person's going to report, you know, what if I, what if I break the rule and it gets up to management? I mean, I think there's a lot of fear there about stability and security. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, to me, the most short-sighted thing we do today in management schools and the lack of training that people get coming out of these MBA programs is we had a, a group of people in the summer, Patricia, from Harvard. They're all MBA students, and it was a part of a remote work uh, test that uh, one of the founders of Tulsa, you know, his family was doing, and it, it was a work, you know, it was a remote work assignment. And they came in and they were here for like 20 days and they, you know, they, they had, we had talked about retention. And so they, but what they wanted to work on the numbers and we said, no, you can't, you've got to go out to the plant floor. You got to talk to our people and you got to figure out something Mm. that will work based on what the teams say. And they said, they reported back to us at the very end and said, it was the single company of all the companies that there was like something like 30 companies that these Mm. a hundred and something people had come in to work at during the summer. Mm. It was the single company that let them interact with the team members, the other team members. Wow. And I thought, now how do you even do that? How do you even take recommendations from these kids who are in college and MBA programs and you haven't allowed them to talk to your team members? Mm. That's amazing. What, I mean, it's, uh, well, it's really, really nuts. But it really does speak to really what you talk about, which is finding the soul of big business. So, that's, Paula, we always come back to that, Patricia. Same thing. That's everything. And so, you know, same thing. So, what, what do you want to leave our listeners with today, Paula? I want to leave them with finding the soul, S O U L, of big business. But what do you want to leave our listeners with? Well, I say, you know, 
I always go back to my Covey Seven Habits, and I say everybody can practice these these seven habits. And the first thing, first habit is the one where you sit down and write a personal mission statement. And I say you will be happier if you can sit down and figure out where you want to be in five years and you set some goals and you work through your personal mission statement and you become what you want to be with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, and with your job. And you know what? I don't, I don't preach to people that they can be, have all of everything. Like, I sit down and talk to women all the time about what it takes to have my job. And I say, look, you're going to miss a lot of soccer games. You're going to miss some plays at school. You're going to miss some weekends. You're going to be traveling and being with customers and having dinner with customers when your kids are having problems. But that's what you want to do. Then you set up your life to have a support system around you mm-hmm. that can allow you to do that, that can allow that to happen. I worked with a lot of women in this Women in Food Service organization, Patricia, thousands of them. And most all of them, if they were a VP of a publicly traded company or higher, they had a spouse who stayed home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, what you're so saying, they had you're decided have- as a couple and made the made the decisions, and that's what everyone needs to do. What's right for you, Paula? It's always so great to talk with you. I mean, it really is. Thank, Thank you, Patricia. Yes, and and everyone, uh, look up Paula, Paula A. Marshall on Facebook, Bama Companies. Paula, stay on the line for a minute. Thank you. It was wonderful. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. You can find me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com to get a copy of my newsletter. And I have a new podcast called Positive Aging with Patricia Raskin. You can check that out on my homepage. Um, If you're looking for help to create your own podcast, I help with content because I've interviewed about 5,000 people in my work. So again, Patricia, patriciaraskin.com. And Facebook, it's Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. Stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.